So um, I wanted to go back to the to the bad beginning, so to speak. How did that concept come about? How did you decide that that was going to be your sort of intro, Bad Out of Hell, and you would have three albums by now? Well, that's a really strange question because you don't decide that. You don't. That's that's not how it. Go, you don't sit around and that would be sort of like. Uh, you know, when scientists look for cure for uh, for illness, you know, sometimes they're actually studying it. But I would say 90% of the time they find that thing, that cure or that, you know, combination of things, it happens by accident. So, yeah, it, it's a very strange question to assume that you can actually sit around and think that up. I think I rephrased it wrong. The, the title of the album, the original Bad Out of Hell, where did that... Well, it came from the song. I mean, that's from the song, Bad Out of Hell. Um, and it's, you know, a phrase where it's, you know, you know like, a, a, like a bat out of hell. And that's all that was. That's It was the opening song of the album, and that was the na name of the song. So we called it Bad of the Hell. But it came to define you in many ways. It came to define your personality and, and whatnot. No, that didn't define my personality. I My personality defined that. Uh, that's not what happened at all. My personality defined what that was. Uh, it, it, you know, it didn't define me at all. Um, because reality is if it wasn't for Todd Rundgren, it wouldn't have been a record. If it wasn't for Jim Steinman, we wouldn't have had the songs. But if it wasn't for the live shows, no one would have ever listened to the record. So that's the reality of it. And I defined what that was. And that, that's really what happened. Is your sort of My personality did not... What I did in 1968 was absolutely not that much different than what I did in 1978. It probably got a little better, and it was better because of the songs, and it was better because Todd Rundgren had produced great guitars and played great guitars, so the band had something to play that was better than what I did in 68. The songs were definitely far superior. In fact, some of the best ever written. Um, from a songwriter that is so underrated that people who who do this kind of thing in the press should be strangled and and drawn and quartered and hung like they did. To, what was that guy that Mel Gibson played? Uh, you know, um, the, the Scottish guy. Similar to him, that's what they should do. The people that don't recognize Jim Steinman as being one of the top in his field. And the problem is. His songs require such self-evaluation that many people are afraid to go there. And they're afraid to venture into his territory. And so they slack him off as kitsch or something else. And really what he is, he is a master. He is a master of detecting true human emotion. So when you're singing, when you sing these songs today, how is your personality? Your personality must have changed since then. So how do you sort of? But my personality has nothing to do with it. Yeah, what I what I do on stage, my energy level doesn't. 
you know, I was very animated with all this stuff at the time. I'm still animated. I may not quite be over the top with the animation. I may not qu appear quite so angry. Back then, we only had we only could play so long. Uh, you know, we may not be like the angry young man so much on the stage anymore. But it's all about acting, and acting is, and that's where I've come, that was, that's my background. That's what I studied, that's where I came from, that's what I did before Bad Out of Hell. And it's about acting is truth. The truth of the character, the truth of the scene. And that's, that's what it's all about when you walk on stage, it's about truth. Okay. It's about finding the moment and being truthful to your character, truthful to the lyrics, Truthful to who you're singing to. Have you ever been approached to bring that out of hell to dance, like you know they're doing now with all the, the albums, like moving no, out? No, nobody would ever ask me to dance. Not you personally. <laughs> <laughs> you know that. So I don't think Twilight Art would come to me to dance. No. No, they no, but they would approach Jimmy to do that. The Blue Man Group approached him to do something with the, the songs from Blue Man Group. But they wouldn't approach me because I don't control any of it. But it's so theatrical. It's like perfect. Oh, it's yeah. It's it's very theatrical. It's very. Uh, it's 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 more. It's theatrical, but I consider it to be really emotional. And in that sense, it's theatrical. But it, but you see, you can go. I could go and play one of the Purchase Family songs, and I could become emotional about it, but it wouldn't ring true, because it would be forced, and any time in acting you start forcing, you start acting, and the object of acting is not to be seen acting, and so it's the songs that carry the emotion. Uh, I'm a vehicle for the emotion, so that's what that is. It, it, the songs dictate it. It's like a scene. It's like the Godfather dictated to those actors what they needed to do and how to do it. That that script did. These songs dictate. It, 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 death of a salesman dictates. Shakespeare dictates because they're written so well, and that's the that's the whole step. That's the whole beginning. For is it's written so well? For instance, describe to me the emotional impact that some of the songs on the new record. I would never do that to you. That would be a complete travesty on my part. That would be telling you what I felt as opposed to how you feel. That would be telling. I've never asked Jim Steinman what one song was about. I, you know, Arthur Miller was on the set of the movie Focus, and I was freaked out that he was there. But I, you know, I didn't go up to him as an actor and go, "So Arthur, what did you have in mind for this?" Because I don't want to know that. Right, but I'm interested in knowing what your feeling. But I, but I'm never going to tell you, because that would be wrong. If I start telling you that, then you know what? I'm pigeonholing anybody who reads this, anybody who hears this. I'm pigeonholing them. 
Um, it's like those guys that get on the radio and tell you, well, I wrote this song with my truck ran over my dog Butch, and I was so upset. From then on, that's all you can damn well think about with the song. And that's it. That's all that there is about the song. And it doesn't allow you to explore anything. It would be like John Grisham. You're reading, uh, you know, uh, a John Grisham book. And John Grisham goes on TV, and he starts telling you and showing you pictures, like they do in movies. That's what people, when they read a book and they go see the movie, half the time they don't like it because you know why? They had all their own images. They had, in Da Vinci Code, they had what happened. They had what this person looked like, what this person looked like. And, and, and... 90% of the time they go, that wasn't as good as the book, because it didn't live up to their images. And that's what would happen if I sit here and said to you, this is what is ha happening. It, it voids the whole thing, and I think it's totally wrong. It's just like, I don't want to know why a movie, what, why, what this writer had in mind for this character. I don't want to know what Jim Steinman had in mind. But that's so interesting, because today, in this day and age, we're so interested in the magic behind the movies. We're so interested in the behind the scenes, the DVD, the extras. No, but not really. You are, but you're not really. Everybody still wants to have their own imagination. They still want it. That's why people. That's why people buy books, because they can create in their own head. Nobody's dictating them what to create, and that's the object of a song. And it's like when I go to do videos, I still in the video. You can have this image, and oh, okay, that's one. That's one take on it. And but I don't. I purposely don't give you, I, I, I give you a whole other area which to explore, as opposed to hitting you over the head with what it's about. Well, what, what is this behind the scenes making of uh, the record that, that's it's just it's, it's just a documentary of what happened. It didn't ever tell you anything. It just shows you, okay, you're in the studio, okay, there are they with the faders, okay, there they are with Jennifer Hudson, and they're singing, and there they are. That's it. It's just one of those. Here, okay, this is what happened. There's Bears Prime May, okay. Yep, he was playing. Mm -hmm. You're going to be introducing this Halloween night, right? It's going out in like a bunch of different movie theaters, they understand. Oh, I have no idea. I couldn't tell you that in my life. Well, it is. <laughs> But, but for, speaking of Halloween, do you get into that spirit? Do you? No, my daughter did when she was little. That's the only reason we did. We, we you know, we... No, I... I they said to me, we're going to release it on Halloween. I'm fine, I don't care. You know, you want Why you want to release... I, my, I said, why do you want to release it so late for? Why don't you release it in early on? It's Halloween. It's a bad record. Yeah, okay. What does that got to do with anything? So they just kept going. I said, fine, you do what you want. I don't care. It's not a big deal to me. So you're not one of those people that likes to go to costume parties and that kind of thing? No, I'm not going to dress up like a duck. <laughs> Did you dress up as a kid? Did you do all that trick-or-treating trick stuff? Mm, oh, yeah, as a kid you did, you know, but I was, I went as the headless horseman and I was, you know, I don't know. I remember going, that was, I guess, my favorite costume. I went as the Headless Horseman. What did that look like? That must have been I cool. just wore, like, my dad's clothes with, so I could, with, you know, and didn't have a head. 
you know, I had his, I remember I had a tie and a shirt and a jacket and, and a big, I'm sure my mother helped me so it would carry around and I went as the headless horseman. That's very theatrical for a little kids. So it was like, you know, you were starting even way back then. Oh, I listen, I yeah, I could I could fake sick. I could fake running a fever. If I didn't want to go to school I could run a fever. I could act a fever and would run a fever. How do you do that? I'm not sure, but I could. You actually make yourself go to like a hundred and two. Yeah, I just make myself sick. <laughs> That's great. So now the new single on this CD originally was meant for you, and then Celine, what, she steal it away? What happened there? Oh, publishers. You know, they're owed money. They're going to go out and do their thing. She wrote a great song. She was smart enough to record it. Mm -hmm. um, so... Um, yeah, but I always thought it was, I mean, my first time I heard it, I said it's a duet. You know, I heard it four times. I said, this is a duet. This is, this is, this is a duet. So, just was. I thought the story would only be complete if you hear both sides. Some songs you don't need to hear both sides. But that song, I thought you needed both sides. If you, if you really examine the lyrics and examine the scene, uh, it, to me, it doesn't work as a one-person song. Mm. And this, tell me about this woman that's singing this. Marion Raven, she's young, uh, she's very pretty. She's from Oslo, Norway. She's got a nice mother and father, <laughs> who I met in uh, in London, uh, who have very Norwegian names, <laughs> and. Uh, I don't know that much about her. She has her own record coming, and and I travel around with her, but I, I don't know that much about her. Did you do you get did you get involved in the audition process when Carla Devito sang with you, or no? I saw Carla in a, in a, in, a, in, a in her band. She had a band in Boston. I saw Carla in that band, and, and I said, "This is the girl." Uh, I'm sure we made Ellen Foley mad, but I don't think Ellen Foley really wanted to go out on tour anyway. Uh, you know, I, I, I've never talked to Ellen Foley about it. You know, I probably should. Did you want to go out on tour? But I, I just got the impression, remembering that she didn't really want to go. And, and also at that point, she had been my girlfriend, so and we'd broken up, so I didn't want to know about that. That would have been a little tricky. <laughs> you know, it was probably a bit selfish on my part. So she probably didn't want to either. They broke up. I don't want to go out with him. It's but Paradise by the Dashboard Light, that would have had some, some meaning behind it. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Right? Yeah. What was it about Carla that... Oh, but I, when we first went out, I was really infatuated with Carla myself, and then I had to get over that. Because she was married to Robbie at the time, right? No, 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 no. She wasn't married to anybody. She didn't have a boyfriend at the time. Did she know that you were infatuated? Oh, yeah, she did. Yeah. She's great. I love her. Yeah, Carla's fantastic. Have you been in touch with her? I, 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 you know, I was trying to do, we were trying to do a sitcom with her at Robbie. At, I don't know about six, seven, 98, 
and uh, it didn't work. You know, CBS turned us down. So, was there a pilot shot? Uh, no, we went on a set and shot some scenes, but there was that was it. We didn't really shoot a full pilot. What was it? What was it called? Was I don't even couldn't tell you in a thousand years. I have no idea. I, I've done so much stuff, and I can't even remember the names of the films I actually did. <laughs> I did a 21 in the last 10 years, so. Do you have a film coming out? No, just, I'm, just a little cameo in Tenacious D next month in three weeks. Oh, Jack, God. That must have been a blast, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. It was hard work. Uh, when this, my scene was really, was not easy. Um, we shot in three days. It was not an easy scene to do, so. Yeah, okay. Uh, Oh, it just wasn't. Just physically, it was very difficult. What was, what was, what's your character? Uh, religious, the play's father was a religious zealot. Hopefully we lose the meatloaf persona and I become Jack's father. And what was difficult about the physicality of the scene? How would you describe, what, did you have to do something physical? Yeah, yeah, you had to run around a room and do all this, tear up his room in a matter of seconds. Oh, wow. Because you were mad at him? Yeah, because he was into rock and roll. Oh, now the plot thickens. Yeah, he was going to hell. You look a lot like Jack. That's perfect casting, actually. Well, I wanted Jack to play me when they did VH1, did the movie he was going to, and then he, he got postponed, and then in the process of the six or seven, eight months that it was postponed, he took, his career took off. And and then he even said, well, I'll, I'll try to do it. And I went, yeah, well, you're crazy if you do this. You ought to be doing that over there. I didn't say that to him, but I knew that he wouldn't do it. At that point, his career took off. The guy who did it did a really great job. Uh, I can't remember his name now, but uh, he did. The guy who played you? Yeah. Jack is a dad now, which just mortifies me. You know? Oh, he'll be a good dad. Yeah, you think? Oh, he'd be great with kids. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He'd be a great father. Mm -hmm. was, was his, he, was, was she, she, no, she probably didn't have the baby. No, that was after. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what are you looking forward to on, for when you're one night only, which a lot of people are very pissed off about because they weren't able to get tickets? Oh, I was pissed off. I'll tell you, I was pissed off. I, I had no idea that they were charging that much money for tickets. I would have never allowed it. I, I, that was way too expensive. I, it drives me crazy, those expensive tickets. So, But I, I didn't even know what they were until the thing was almost on, and I I just happened to notice how much tickets were, and I was going, what the? What are they going for? Uh, like 250 bucks. I said, oh, man, nothing's worth 250 bucks. Wow. I don't care who, who you are, nothing's worth 250 bucks. It was like... See, it just puts more pressure on me. I don't want to, you know, I'm 35 bucks, okay, I can deal with that pressure. 250 bucks, it just, you know, it, it, listen, for 250 bucks, you, I, you know, I better come out and be covered in gold for that, you know. Do you have a very elaborate set? No. 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 No, we didn't have time. You know, we didn't, it was very little time spent trying to put this. I've been doing promotions since July 9th. Uh, the record didn't get finished the longest first. I put the band in. I had seven days to like rehearse this thing. And we've done it once. Now we're going to do it again next week. I mean, it's like, you know, it's not, it's not easy. What's like the most you've ever spent on a concert? 
for an event to go see that the sky was the limit for money? Oh, I haven't spent anything. I either get free tickets or, or I was a kid when I bought tickets in the 60s. Three bucks, maybe. Yeah. You know, ten bucks. If it was ten, you know, Buffalo Springfield. But most of the bands I ever saw, I was the opening act. So I didn't, I didn't you know, I got paid for watching them. Right. I know, because like Barbara Streisand costs like $600 a ticket or something. Oh, insane. that's the low. She's up to 1500 or, you know. People pay it. Yeah, yeah. So um, what are you looking forward to? What do you hope people get from this new record? I hope they make an emotional connection with it. That's all you can ask for. That's all you can ask for is that people... You know, they, because that and how records are like roads that you go down, driven down, a, you've driven down it 500 times and you you go, you drive down and you go, oh, I don't remember seeing that. Has that always been there? Wow, I don't remember that. And and if you really go and examine, I do the same thing to bat and how record, to bat and how myself when I put it on, I go, oh, I don't remember that. Um... There's always different images. There's always something new going on. And it, that's people go, why'd you take so long to come? Because if you didn't, it would be stupid. You, because you have to let enough time pass. You have to. It would be stupid to put one out every three years. I mean, it wouldn't work. I mean, it just would be stupid. Have you celebrated a milestone birthday yet? Like, how old are you these days? <laughs> you don't I haven't even celebrated me. 30 yet. <laughs> Okay. Is it? I don't. I hate birthdays. They try to throw. <laughs> they. They. I had a birthday, and we were in rehearsal, and I know they were planning to do something, and and so we were in the middle of rehearsal, and I know they planned to do it after rehearsal, so they took a little break, and I just left. I, I, you left your own surprise party. Uh huh. <laughs> Well, but, so what was? I did that once before. I went into a house. They all yelled surprise. I went back out, got in my car, and left. Oh my God! I would kill you. What was that for? How old are you? Which one? Where I left? The new one and the old one. Uh, well, you never ask a woman her age, and I'm in touch with my feminine side. Oh, uh, it's very easy to find out. No, it's not. I could just go on IMDb and find out. That's wrong on that IMDb. Really? That's not your real birthday? No. Uh, there's, there's, there's five dates floating out there. Oh, God. 46, 47, 51, 53, and 54. So it's between those. Okay. <laughs> How old are you the first time when they tried to surprise you? Was it for your 40th? No, no, I don't think so. I was in... I don't know. No, I can't remember where I was even. I just remember that I just left. I said, no, no, I want to be here. I opened the door. They went surprised. I shut the door, got my car and split and went down to the movies. <laughs> don't remember now. I just drove down there and whatever movie was playing next, that's what I went to. That's funny. All right. Now, now, now you got me on a quest. Always news. Always refreshing. Always candid. Always billing about. Robin Milling delivers what celebrities are saying to you. To you. To you. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.